Last week, as we finished, or we got through part of chapter 11 uh, with the Tower of, ba- Tower of ba- Babel, which I feel like that's what I'm doing up here. <laughs> uh, my, my thought was is that I wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time on the rest of this chapter, but I'll be honest, I started going through the rest of this chapter uh, in more detail, and, and I, I, I found several things that I, that I thought was very interesting, not so much from 10 to 25, but basically from 26 down. Um, but it, it's basically, we had the, the genealogy or the lineage of, of Shem, through whom we're going to have Abraham um, bringing about within this genealogy, and ultimately uh, coming of the, the coming of, the, of Christ. Well, in verse 10 of, of chapter 11, like I said, verses 10 through, uh, well, really through 26, gives us the genealogy going all the way up to Abram. But one of the, one thing that we have that I wanted to bring to your attention, I guess, is that if you was to look over into Luke uh, chapter 3, we have the, uh, we have Luke giving the genealogy uh, of, of of Joseph going back uh, uh, down through this generation or these this part of the genealogy as well. And if you look there, there's an additional name that's mentioned, and I'm probably going to mess this up severely, but in verse 10 where it says, uh, and Shem was 100 years old and begat, well, if you're looking in verse 10, you see it's A-R-P-H-A-X-A-D, uh, two years after the flood, and then it goes on and talks about uh, that person's uh, descendant in verse 12, Selah. Well, if you look in, in Luke, it makes mention of another one that goes in between there of Cana, C-A-I-N-A-N. Um, and I just bring that up because it was something that I'd, that I'd seen uh, as I was going through this chapter uh, and, and studying different things. And, and I saw that, and I just thought I'd bring it up. Uh, one of the commentaries I had read basically just pointed out that this could suggest that this might be some kind of an abbreviated list as far as what we have in Shem's descendants. But it's just one thing that I wanted to bring to your attention in case someone brings it up to you at some point in time. Um, but there you have that. So from 10 all the way down to 25, I didn't find a whole lot of interesting things here. But other than just you know the descendants and how long they lived, and uh, I want to say, uh, well, it was a few weeks ago we was talking about uh, when Noah died, and I had brought up the aspect of how that Abraham would have been around fifty something years old, I think it was, if that's correct. But something that I'm going to share with you today might bring that uh, to a different light, and that might be a different age aspect. But I'll we'll. We'll 
shine light on that in a little bit. But starting in verse uh, 26, 26 shows that, that uh, Terah, who is Abraham's father, had three sons, ultimately, uh, and it names them out, Abram, Nahor, and uh, Haran. Oh, that's what, I'm getting confused, I'm trying to put this later on, but I'm sorry, I'm all confused this morning, but anyhow, in verse 26, one thing that I thought was interesting that I wanted to point out was the aspect on how that it makes mention of, of his three sons, uh, Abram, Nahor, and Haran, to where all the other ones in, the, in this genealogy uh, only points out uh, one of the sons who uh, I've always heard of, you know, thought of as far as being the firstborn uh, as, of the sons that's being pointed out and then goes on to the next one in the genealogy. Uh, but it could be that that was the one, it wasn't necessarily the firstborn that was pointed out, but more so the one that was, that the, uh, that Abram was coming through as far as the, the lineage here. But the, the reason why I believe that's, that this is the case as far as the three sons and the reason why he, uh, we have this recorded for us is more so uh, pointed out in verses 27 all right, going on from 27. So just bear with me, and I'm going to start pick up here in verse 27. We're going to read down a little bit. It says, This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot, and Haran died uh, before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. So one reason why I believe that we have all three of these names listed out here as far as Terah's uh, sons is because, for one, it points out where Lot came from, how that Lot was basically Abram's uh, nephew and how that worked out and why they might have been so close together is because uh, his father had died at some point in time. Now, we don't, we're not told as far as what age Haran was when he had died, but Two things that we're told here in these two verses is that one, that Haran was the father of Lot, and two, that he died in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. Um, then we go on in verse 29, it says, Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah the daughter of Haran, uh, father, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishka. But Sarah was barren, and she had no child. And Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, and the son, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, his, son's, his son, Abram's wife, and they went out from the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. All right. Hopefully you was following along so I didn't lose you too much in, in my weird pronunciations and things because I'm sure I didn't pronounce all that right. 
But one of the things that I find very interesting here is because in verse 31, how it says that Terah took his son, Abram, and Lot, and uh, Sarah, his, his, uh, Abram's wife, and had went, and they had left the Ur, Ur the Chaldeans to go to the land uh, of Canaan. I find that interesting because you, you always hear about Abram leaving and going to Canaan. Does anybody, has anybody ever noticed this or pulled this up? Jim's shaking his head. All right. Well, Jim, I'm going to rely on you to correct me if, I'm, if I get too offhand here. Well, one of the interesting things here is that, first of all, they, first of all, it, it, it talks about Terah, who took these, you know, that took Abram and Lot and Sarah to, uh, that were going to be going to Canaan. But if we was to go back, and I'm going to start getting jumbled up like I knew I would, because I knew I was going to pull these things out from where I had them at. But if we was to go back to Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, and starting in verse 2, here we have uh, Stephen uh, speaking to the high priest, uh, as he's given a defense, uh, as far as you, know, because they were putting him on trial, ultimately, and, and basically lying about what he was doing and trying to get him uh, uh, killed. And so here, Stephen speaking to the high priest, starting in verse two, says, "And he said, brethren and fathers, listen: the God of glory appeared to our Abraham." appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to, to this land in which you now dwell. All right. So, like I said, keeping in mind, this is Stephen speaking. And if you was to look in chapter 6 of Acts, it makes mention just up from, from chapter 7 where Stephen's given his, high, his defense to the high priest. I just wanted to point out the fact that uh, that as he was speaking, as Stephen was, uh, in verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And it goes on, talks about how that uh, many had come up and, and, and was trying to speak with him and, and, and basically prove him wrong. But in verse 10 it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom of, and the spirit by which he spoke. So we have Stephen who had wisdom uh, and had the spirit uh, speaking to him, and this was his, in, in verse 2 here of chapter 7, where it talks about how that uh, Abram, when he was still in the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans, 
is when God had spoke to him, told him to get out uh, of his father's house. So I bring all that up because of the way that 31 you know, might appear as you first look over it. And one of the things that I'd read in, the com- in a commentary had made mention how that it could have been that Abram, as he was getting up and leaving uh, to, you know, with Sarah, that his father, Terah, didn't want him to go away, and so therefore he tagged along trying, trying to keep him from going to uh, Canaan, which is why they ended up in Haran. Um, any thoughts or comments before I keep going on this? All right. Did you have something, Jim? Thank you. In Acts, it, it, it makes reference to how that God had appeared to him to to leave, and and I and like I said, I mean, Terah would have been wanted to uh, to tag along, possibly because of the death of his other son, uh, or whatever the case may be. But another aspect here that I wanted us to to understand as well is uh, Abram's father as far as how that he, as far as his, his, I guess you can say his religious thoughts as far as how he might have uh, viewed God or gods. And here I'm going to turn to Joshua chapter 24 and in verse 2, which in chapter 24 of Joshua, later on in the chapter is, uh, you know, if you keep reading uh, after verse 2 here, it's where Joshua ultimately stands up and, and he's ultimately reminding uh, the, the children of Israel here how much God has blessed them, how God has taken them uh, uh, and, and done time after time after time and continually being with them, blessing them, and doing all these things for them. And ultimately, and uh, it, like I said, in chapter 24 here of Joshua, you get on down a little ways, and it's where we have that popular scripture that many people uh, will have on in in an inscription and hang up in their house or something, as far as choose for you this day whom you will serve, uh, whether it be the gods of your fathers on the other side of the river or... Uh, but as for as for me and in my house, we will serve the Lord. So keeping that in mind, as far as what's going on here, and this is at the very beginning, is where Joshua is speaking. It says, "And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, the, your fathers, including now in the New King James, that's in italics. So I mean, that's something that's that's being you know, represented there. But your fathers." Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of, of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. So we have the idea of Terah, who wasn't one that continually followed after the uh, one uh, supreme god. And as I was doing some reading this and and there was a few different people that had made mention of, of in the land of Ur and in the land of Haran. 
how that they both worshipped a moon or the moon deity, Nanner, I think is how you pronounce it, N-A-N-N-A-R. And the fact of me pointing that up, or pulling that up, is possibly another reason on why they didn't make it all the way to Canaan is because Terah uh, was, was hung to this god of, of the moon uh, or this moon deity. Uh, and the aspect that both in Ur and in Haran, how they both worship the same uh, moon deity, it might be why they ended up hanging out in, in Haran for a while. Any other thoughts or comments as far as the aspect of of Terah uh, going with Abram as far as going up to Haran and not making it all the way to Canaan? So there's one more aspect that I'm wanting to bring out here. And uh, uh, Yes, sir. Right. And to go along with that thought, it, and, I'm, and I thought about bringing this up and bringing my map back that I was trying to show you guys last week that I'm sure was very hard for you, for some of you to see uh, was how that the town of, of or the city of Babel uh, wasn't too far from the land of or the, from the city of Ur and uh, and how that it could have been that when they were dispersed you know these descendants had come over to the land of Ur which if you remember right in, uh, in the town of Babel, one of the things that was going on was a lot of, uh, of worship to other gods and things. So uh, and that could have been why this was so common in this area as well. The other aspect that I was wanting to bring out here was going back to verse 26, how it says, that Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. As we saw from Acts uh, chapter 7, that it wasn't until after uh, Abraham's father died is when he had left uh, uh, Haran and had went to the the land of Canaan. And if we flip over to chapter 12, in verse 4, it talks about how that, well, I'll just read it. It says, So Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. All right, so we realize that Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and that his father was dead. It wasn't until after his father died that he had left to go to Canaan. So with that thought, and we, and we think about that, and we know that in verse 32 of chapter 11, it talks about how that Haran was 205 years old when he had died. That I, I might have said the wrong name. Terah was 205 years old when he had died, which would have been Abram's father. So if Abram was 75 years old, ultimately when he left to go to Canaan when his father had died and his father was 205 years old when he had died, Abram 
would not have been the firstborn is what we have, you know, and it doesn't say that he was the firstborn. It just says that when he was, when Terah was 70 years old, he begot Abram, uh, Nahor, and Haran, which, like I said, one of the, or one of the commentaries that I was reading in had made mention that it could be the reason why Abram's listed first here wasn't so much because he was the firstborn, but because of the importance of who Abram is and how that it's ultimately his genealogy that we're going to continue to follow as we go throughout the rest of the book. But more so that it could be uh, the aspect of Haran might have been the oldest here because he died at an age that we do not know of and that Lot uh, would have been a son of his, so he, would have, he was at least old enough to have had Lot before they left Ur to go to Haran. And ultimately what I'm trying to pull out here is that Haran would have had to have been 135, or I keep throwing out these names wrong. Terah, Abram's father, would have had to have been around 135 years old, no, 130 years old, when he had uh, Abram, when Abram was born. If he would have been seven, if Abram would have been 75 years old whenever he left to go to, to Canaan. One of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up was because uh, from what I was reading, this is one of the things that, uh, that a lot of, uh, that some people want to bring out as far as contradictions in the Bible because it talks about how that Terah was 70 years old when Abram, uh, had, Terah was 70 years old and had begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran, but yet it doesn't say that he was 70 years old when he begot all of them. It just says basically that when he started having kids, he was 70 years old. So that's going to close us out in chapter 11. In chapter 12 we have basically the, um, the calling of Abram. We have God coming to him, and this is going to pretty much set the stage for the rest of the chapter, or the rest of the book of Genesis. Because from here on out, we're going to continue to follow Abram and his, his lineage going out. And I tell you, one of the things that's, that's always so interesting when we come to this point in Genesis and in the start of following Abram or Abraham, as later his name will be called, is how much we hear about Abraham throughout the rest of the Bible. Uh, even when we get over into the New Testament, we find how the Abraham uh, is many times pointed back uh, shown to us as an example of one who is full of faith. And just to remind us real quick of some of these things, Romans chapter 4 and verses 1 through 4 says, What then shall we say that Abraham, that Abraham our father has found it according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by words, he has something to boast about. Not before God, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages 
for him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And I'm not trying to get into all kind of uh, discussions as far as what these verses mean. I just wanted to point out and remind us of just a, a few of these verses that point back to Abraham and remind us of how faithful Abraham was. In verse in chapter in Galatians chapter three, uh, ultimately coming down, I had long scriptures pointed out here, but I don't want to spend too much time doing this. In verse six of Galatians chapter three says, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Uh, and I should have read verse five to go along with that. It says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you who works miracles among you, does he do it by the faith, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And, one that we're all very familiar familiar with is Hebrews chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 8, says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called, when he was called out to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. As in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And I had another one in James, but we don't need to continue to belabor the point. As we are reminded that that many times uh, throughout the Bible, we're reminded of how faithful Abraham was and how and how much of it points back to him. So I bring all that up because this is a turning point in what we've studied so far in Genesis uh, for the rest of it. Um, but one of my main reasons I'm wanting to point out all these aspects as far as how faithful Abraham was is because it also brings a reminder to us as we continue to study his life and as we continue to go through uh, Genesis and, I mean, before we even, uh, within the next chapter or two, we're going to see uh, Abraham already putting doubt out there as far as when he uh, comes into the land of Egypt and tells uh, his wife, Sarah, that, you know, hey, when we get there, you know, you're a beautiful woman, and I don't want to be killed by you know, because of you. So just tell them that you're my sister, which, by the way, uh, from as far as what we've already looked at, uh, A. R. Sarah would have been his half-sister most likely as far as uh, from his father. I'd, I'd read that, and I'd be honest, I didn't study on that too much. I've heard it many times before, though. Not saying that makes it true, but that's just the case as far as what I've understood as far as you know, her being his half-sister anyhow. But anyhow, you know, it just goes to show us, though, that Abraham had his faults just as well as, as do all of us as well. We all have our faults, no matter even Abraham, who is pointed to many times as showing the, uh, 
how strong his faith was in all that he had done. Well, our time is almost up. Is there anything else anybody else wants to point out or bring up or anything else before I close us out in class before I get into anything else? Well, I appreciate all y'all's attention and comments, and uh, hopefully next week will be a little more interesting for you.